Welcome to Common Ground Berlin, a podcast where we do deep dives into topics that matter to you in the German capital and beyond. Today we're exploring the resurgence of a far-right political party in Germany. Like the MAGA movement in the United States, the populist faction is widely perceived as a threat to democratic norms. It's a critical moment for Germany's political establishment. Polls indicate the far-right party would be a, if not the, top vote-getter if elections were held now. I began reporting on this party a decade ago when it was founded. Back then it was a Eurosceptic movement, feeding on widespread German fatigue over the bailout of cash-strapped Eurozone states by Chancellor Angela Merkel's government. Even so, few people I spoke to in those early days thought Alternative für Deutschland, which means alternative for Germany, would amount to much, let alone garner enough votes to get into the German parliament. Nor did the new party appear overly racist or anti-Semitic. While I was at NPR, I interviewed co-founder Bernd Lucke, an economics professor and longtime CDU member who spoke about Eurozone policies. I believe that these policies are false, that they actually endanger uh, the uh, European unification uh, process. So I thought it was very necessary to form a new political force which offers an alternative to what the current parties think is right. He and other leaders were soon forced out by more radical members. They pushed an extremist, anti-immigrant and anti-Muslim agenda and sought to minimize Germany's Nazi past. AFD focused its efforts in eastern Germany and played on middle-class fears of not having enough money to raise their children or to retire. The party pinned Germany's problems on refugees and liberals and urged voters to fight to get their country back. I scored a rare interview for NPR with one of the new AFD leaders back then. She is a chemist and her name is Frauke Petri. A mother of six, Petri told me more children, not more immigrants, was the way for Germany to address its worker shortage. If Germany has an aging population, it is up to Germany to decide ways out of it. Petri left the party a few months later, but support for the AFD grew, with its candidates winning elections in most state races. And in 2018, it swept into the German parliament and became the main opposition party. Ignored by its colleagues in the Bundestag and lacking a cohesive agenda, the party's popularity waned. But then came COVID, the Russian war in Ukraine, and the energy and financial crisis, which fed voter insecurity and provided fertile ground for Alternative for Germany. We called and emailed repeatedly this past month to interview the AFD about its resurgence, but received no response. Our request to interview the AFD's first mayor in Germany also went unanswered. His name is Hannes Loth. He told a reporter from the German daily, Welt, that the reason for his win was that he connected with voters on issues they care about. They were regular local issues such as the fire department, village finances, building roads, and maintaining daycare centers and schools. I was also asked occasionally about the new heating law, and we will have to figure out how to address that. In any case, these are topics that play a role here. Loth was asked whether he could deliver to voters when most German politicians have vowed not to work with the AFD. So far, it hasn't been a problem. I've been on the city council for a while, and it didn't matter who submitted applications, whether it was the CDU or the left or free voters or pro-8. We discussed it, and then we decided on it.
That type of cooperation is something the leader of Germany's conservative Christian Democrats recently suggested could be beneficial, triggering widespread criticism and protest. But more on that later. I spoke with Suda David Wilp about why Alternative for Germany is polling well. She is a senior fellow at the German Marshall Fund, who heads the group's Berlin office. Well, I think there are the typical external factors like the war against Ukraine that has uh, created insecurity in Germany, in Europe, that has given fodder to the AFD to sort of assuage voters in the East and all over Germany about whether confronting Russia as the West has been doing is the right way to go and also complaining about the high prices. And then, of course, the migration that is continuing to the European continent. But also um, one has to take into account that there is a lot of dissatisfaction of the traffic light coalition in Berlin. And the AFD is, of course, feeding off the um, disappointment with Berlin. And do you think this is a threat to democracy in Germany or do you think it's a threat to liberalism in Germany of the fact that AFD could come into some position of power, whether it's at the local, state or federal level? It is really surprising to see the AFD polling so high in the former East, but also uh, Germany wide. You know, they're in double digits. They're over 20 percent at the moment. They are in second place when looking at the polls and only behind the conservative CDU, CSU faction. But I do think, as former President Gauck said, that this country is somehow inoculated or vaccinated because of its history, that it would be hard to imagine the AFD gaining a foothold in government on the federal level, also because all the mainstream parties are shunning the AFD because of its anti-democratic sentiments and the unsavory characters that um, do hold positions within the party. Do you think the AFD is going to be able to maintain its momentum until the federal elections in 2025? So I think there's still a long way to go until the next federal election. But we should certainly look at the local elections that are coming up. Um, There are two state elections this year and three next year, the three in the east, especially where the AFD is polling very strongly, it is concerning that it may take a so-called Germany coalition to come together in order to thwart the AFD from um, holding executive power on a state level in places like Thuringia. But if this traffic light government could get to a point where it's showing success in terms of Germany's turning point site and vendor process. And also if the CDU, CSU can find a new narrative of what it means to be conservative today after so many terms of Angela Merkel, that it could certainly uh, diminish the rise of the AFD. And just to explain for people who don't know, what is the Germany coalition? So the Germany coalition would technically mean that like all the mainstream parties would come together to form a coalition, meaning not just a grand coalition between the center left and the center right, but also the um, sort of kingmaker parties would also join forces. And that means less gets done because it's so diluted? Absolutely. But I think it's meant to be a emergency measure. It's not necessarily a uh, coalition of choice. Others are more pessimistic, including 25-year-old Rebecca, 22-year-old Pierre, and 21-year-old Florian. They attend the Magdeburg Stendal University of Applied Sciences, located in Saxony-Anhalt. It is one of the eastern German states where the AFD looms large. I asked the students why they are concerned about the far-right political faction's prominence. 
Well, what concerns me is that they actually had success on a local level. Just recently, they elected, like I think it is a county district leader who's from the AFD. And I just think that is concerning because it could grow from there and get bigger. And what is your concern about the AFD being in that position? Why should they not be in charge? Because it's just not what I believe is right. Like we need immigrants in Germany. It gives us more diversity and we also need people who are willing to work and who want to work. We have a demographic change and we need to tackle that and to, you know, get people into the country for taxes to be paid, for pensions to be paid and all that. We don't have enough people in Germany and I personally like to talk to people from different cultures and get some other points of view. Yeah. Yeah, I'm afraid if the AFD takes over that we are not talking about um, empathy and tolerance anymore, that we are just talking about things that divides us, that we're talking about hate. And um, yeah, I'm also really afraid that a common ground, a common fact base does not exist anymore. Yeah, that we are just seeing what divides us in all certain parts of society. Florian? I just really dislike their principles. I don't think that intolerance or hatred brought us anywhere near fulfilling democracy or society. But I also think that even if they um, are going to into a legislature, they are not alone there. And for example, in Thuringia, where they uh, were or rose up, uh, we still have a very strong left side. So uh, left and right are strong in Thuringia and As long as the left stays strong, I think they do have something to uh, fight against it. You had mentioned, though, like sort of letting AFD fall on their face, like people are going to throw them out. So yeah. can you elaborate on that a little? Yeah, no, yeah, that's true, because I think uh, no damage is irreversible. And democracy was never easy and it will be never easy. I'm just also a bit interested in seeing what comes out because we are facing a great change in our society and we have to face it. Seeing uh, as it is right now, we can't just let it continue like that. We have to change something and sometimes you even have to uh, take some decisions, uh, decisions which are difficult to take. But in the end, maybe it turns out, maybe it turns out good, maybe it turns out bad. We never know, but we have to do something. I would, I would disagree with that. Um, I think it's never good to let right extremists take the power. Yeah, me too. Um, yeah. We're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we'll hear more about what we can expect from the Alternative for Germany comeback. Stay tuned. I'm Rachel Tausenfreund, one of the hosts of the German Marshall Fund's podcast, Out of Order. Join our conversations with leaders and experts on what the dark side of tech does to democracy, how the pandemic shapes geopolitics, and other topics of global order and disorder. You can find our episodes and miniseries at gmfus.org or wherever you find your podcasts. We are the German Marshall Fund of the United States, strengthening transatlantic cooperation since 1972. I'm Soraya Sarhadi Nelson, the host of Common Ground Berlin. And I'm Dina El Sayed, Common Ground Berlin's senior producer. 
We are bringing you a lot more variety these days in our weekly podcast. If you like deep dive interviews, we've got them. Like with Anna Winger, the American Berlin-based creator of the Netflix hits Unorthodox and Transatlantic. I always say that Berlin happened to me. You know, I wouldn't have chosen it, but it's been such a rich source of creative life for my work, for my imagination. Or if you enjoy long-form storytelling, take a listen to our episode on American football in Germany. We also offer lively talk shows that deepen your knowledge of important issues in Germany and beyond. For me, it was really, really important to have an abortion pills because I already felt like my life is so out of my hands, like there's so many laws and people who feel like they are ruling over me now. So check out new Common Ground Berlin episodes on Mondays wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, Common Ground Berlin listeners. My name is Kari. And my name is Manuel. And if you are learning German, you may have come across our Easy German videos on YouTube where we interview strangers in the streets of Berlin. But did you know that we also have a podcast to help you learn German? On the Easy German podcast, Kari and I chat about daily life in Germany. We break down German expressions and recommend resources to help you become fluent. And if you decide to become an Easy German member, you'll get some nice extras. To listen, just search for Easy German in your favorite podcast app, or head to easygerman.fm. Welcome back to Common Ground Berlin. I'm Soraya Sarhadi Nelson, and we are talking about the rise in popularity of Alternative for Germany and what that means for the country. One concern many Germans have is that mainstream conservatives might choose to join forces with the AFD, which could help normalize its far-right agenda. Earlier this month, Christian Democratic leader Friedrich Merz escalated those fears in an interview with German public broadcaster ZDF, in which he spoke about the prospects for an AFT partnership at the local level. We are, of course, obliged to accept the results of democratic elections. So if an administrator or mayor from the AFD is elected, it goes without saying that we will look for ways to make sure we can get things done. His suggestions sparked widespread criticism, and Matz tried to backpedal his comments. I asked the German Marshall Fund's Suda David Wilp about the concerns over what the CDU leader had said. I have a feeling that Friedrich Merz didn't express himself in the right way, and I don't mean to necessarily give him some slack, because obviously the uproar was instantaneous, even among uh, many of his party colleagues. But I think his notion was that, you know, Obviously, the CDU needs to be able to vet everything the AFD does, should scrutinize, should vehemently object against its um, anti-democratic sentiments. But at the same time, the CDU can't necessarily be obstructionist when it comes to policies that are good for local communities, because the fact of the matter is that the AFD is now wielding power on a local level in some constituencies in the East. Hans Feuerbuchert is the senior politics reporter in Germany for Politico Europe, who has been covering the controversy. I reached Hans via Zoom in Brussels, where he told me that Matz had definitely put a hole in the CDU's Brandmauer, or firewall, when it came to working with the AFD. But is Matz alone, or are there other CDU leaders who might be willing to forge the unholy alliance? 
Yes, there are, especially in Eastern Germany. And that's what worrying other CDU members, because they say that this firewall uh, needs to be upheld, especially with a view to the um, state elections in next year. This is going to be very, very interesting because we are going to have state elections in Brandenburg, in uh, Thuringia and in uh, Saxony. And um, the AfD is currently polling very high in those states. It might even get a majority. And uh, then, of course, the interesting question will be how the CDU reacts at that level. As I said before, at the municipal level, there are already um, individual cases where, depending on the decision, the CDU might say, "Okay, we go with the AFD individually on this project to build a school, for example, because it just makes sense. But we don't do any general cooperation. And the question is now, should there be a more general cooperation uh, between those two parties? And that's what some people in those states think. And this question will become more and more pressing as these um, state elections come up next year. But for the moment, of course, there's this huge backlash, uh, once again, by many members of his own party saying that there can't be such a generalized cooperation with the far right. And even Friedrich Merz seems to have realized that uh, his words went a bit too far in, in terms of what he actually tried to say. What would it do for the AFD if they were able to bond in some way with a mainstream party like the CDU? At the moment, a lot of factors are pointing in the direction that it will benefit them, the AFD. And they actually have cheered this announcement by Friedrich Merz quite a lot, saying like that finally um, he's realizing that there can be no such firewall to the far right. Because, of course, for them, it's problematic to have such a firewall. We've seen it in the European Parliament, for example, that they call it a bit differently in the French word the cordon sanitaire, the uh, almost like sanitary separation between um, the established parties and the far right. And that kind of like keeps them out of uh, key committees there, of key uh, positions of influence in uh, uh, the European Parliament. And of course, uh, if we look at Germany, they're keen to get into power, to have some sort of participation in a potential coalition or even run a state government. So, of course, they are welcoming uh, these words. And I think in a way... Uh, it benefits them because it shows to voters that it's not such a scandal, so to say, to vote uh, the AFD. I mean, there are a far right party there, anti-migrant. Um, they are at least many of them. And if you look at the party program, they are more or less denying uh, the existence of climate change. So there are many um, points that are very controversial and very difficult to accept for um, the mainstream parties in Germany, so to say. And um, of course, if you signalize to voters that actually a mainstream party can form a coalition or can cooperate with them, then you also signalize to voters that, um, yeah, well, they're, they're not so radical. Maybe after all, they're not so so bad, uh, to, to say it in a, in a way, um, so that it may be even OK to, to vote for them and it could make them even stronger. That's at least what a lot of people fear inside the CDU. And that's why, uh, once more, this is backlash against uh, Friedrich Merz's words, because they're saying we're kind of like, normalizing a party here, and that's something we shouldn't do. Germany's domestic intelligence agency is monitoring the AFD over suspected right-wing extremism. Why has that not hurt its upward trajectory? Yeah, and indeed, it's, it's a good point, because so far this hasn't really come up much in the domestic debate. It may be um, more of an issue and maybe raised more by politicians from other parties as we are approaching uh, these crucial state elections uh, in Eastern Germany next year. And also, if we go forward towards the 2025 general election in Germany. But at the moment, it's really remarkable in a way how the AFD is doing in polls. If you look at national polls, 
they're polling at the second position. They're um, between 20 and 22 percent, just a few like four to six percentage points behind uh, the CDU as the main opposition uh, and um, ahead of Chancellor Olaf Scholz, Social Democratic Party, and ahead also of the Greens, the uh, one of the coalition partners of Scholz, Social Democrats, and the Free Democrats, the third coalition partner. So they're ahead of all the ruling parties and um, closing in on the on the main opposition party. And that is, of course, remarkable. And I think in a way it can be explained with a lot of frustration about um, several issues that the government had, uh, such as controversial green energy law on potentially banning oil and gas heating, but also in general, the government having faced a lot of infighting in recent months. So that has helped them a lot. But it also, a lot of people are saying that it is Friedrich Merz as a CDU leader is to blame for it because he has not really managed to um, capitalize on those weaknesses of the government and has instead um, shown a rather... Uh, yeah, sometimes clumsy communication. Um, he's not too popular and uh, therefore has emboldened the far right as a sort of yeah alternative opposition party that is becoming more and more appealing to voters. And so far, it seems that voters are yeah not really uh, taking this so much as a concern that the AFD is being investigated by the intelligence services or the prosecutors even look into them, that there are all these warnings, that there are proven cases of far-right politicians of hate speech in this party. And again, to your previous question, I mean, if the CDU were to now signalize that it's okay to cooperate with this party and potentially even do a coalition at some stage, um, then you, of course, also signalize to voters, well, even if they're maybe being investigated and there are these warnings, it can't be that bad because other parties, established parties, which we've known for many years, uh, working together with them. So I think what will be very important to see now in the next month also is whether the established parties, the CDU, but also the government parties find a credible way of dealing with the rise of the AFD and um, point to these concerns about far right speech, uh, hate speech and um, uh, all these other factors and um, also get their position a bit together and show more uh, credible leadership, both in the government, but also in the opposition. You'd mentioned Friedrich Merz being clumsy and Olaf Scholz not being able to sort of stop the infighting within his government. I'm wondering, are there any AFD leaders that are particularly of note or that are doing well? Because we've heard about many missteps by AFD leaders in the past. I'm just wondering who are the ones now and how is their messaging? Well, what's interesting about the AFD is if you look at the party, it was initially founded um, by some professors who um, were unhappy with the government's financial policies during the Greek financial crisis and the bailout of Greece. And it was more a protest party against uh, these moves of the Merkel government back then. It radicalized during the migration crisis. It got a new leadership. Then it it got again a new leadership and again. And throughout this process, it's radicalized even more. So now... Um, some key figures in the party to mention, for example, Tino Krupala and uh, Höcke, uh, the other um, strong figure in the party. Beyond Höcke, you mean? Yeah, yeah exactly. And um, they are uh, definitely um, frontline figures of the party. They have said a lot of controversial things, but so far it hasn't really well it uh, on the one hand there's this more radical votership um around 10 percent uh that seem to be completely fine with this rhetoric and then there are more and more people who appear to be confused or um 
upset by um, the uh, infighting and the confusion that is in the government. They feel a lot of insecurity. It also stems, of course, from the COVID crisis um, that triggered a lot of protest um, how, how it was handled and not just in Germany as in other countries of course with the lockdowns and uh, then the war in Ukraine remains um, problematic in a way in Germany because um, the communication of the government has not always been successful there although no now a majority of Germans back the government's uh, policy of support of Ukraine including heavy weapons like tanks or um, artillery but uh, still the war, the high energy prices, the inflation, all those are factors that create uncertainty. Um, also, the broader geopolitical setting with the rise of China, all the insecurity that is there um, is asking for a strong as a strong leadership and clear answers to be given. And um, not only is Friedrich Merz clumsy, but also is Olaf Scholz um, often in his communication, well, very reluctant, sometimes robotic, and he's uh, sort of lacking this ability to, to send out a very clear message that also reassures people, at least in most cases, that seems to be the case. So the AFD is seizing on that without having strong leaders that are scandal-free themselves. But uh, again, this is not so much an issue for them at the moment um, as it isn't an issue that um, there are all these warnings from the intelligence community about the radicalization of the AFD. It's not an issue so much and they can capitalize a lot on the discontent in the in the population, but that may change uh, as we approach elections. One last question. I mean, we've talked about the CDU potentially partnering with AFD in some capacity. Do you envision a situation in the coming months or years where other parties in the Bundestag or other parties in Germany would consider a coalition or cooperation of some sort with the Alternative for Germany? It's very hard to see. And even with the CDU, um, we have to see, of course, what what comes next year. But uh, at the moment, if, if you see the backlash um, that is now there, um, I think it has been made very clear in the recent days that um, there is a clear majority in the CDU rejecting any sort of cooperation, any potential coalition with the AFD. And um, again, the interesting question will be what they make of this position uh, next year when there should be a potentially a strong lead of the AFD that could become second or even first in state elections in Eastern Germany. And that's a question what do we make out of this? And uh, it, I think the interesting question is is also, will the CDU then consider to do a coalition with the far left, with the Linkspartei? Uh, this is something that the uh, state premier of Schleswig-Holstein, Daniel Günther, uh, suggested a while ago that may be necessary. He got a lot of um, criticism for, for that from his own party. He was uh, kind of like called Comrade Günther. Uh, but actually in Eastern Germany, um, the CDU may have to decide, do we do a coalition uh, together with the far right or with the far left? And um, then the far left may be more appealing to them. But if you look at other parties uh, like the Social Democrats or the Greens, it, it's even less um, likely that they will do any sort of coalition with the AFD because um, it's just a no-go for them. For now, the poll watching will continue as Germans await next year's state elections in Thuringia, Saxony and Brandenburg. Whether Alternative for Germany's mainstream opponents who govern Germany can convince voters not to give the far-right faction more power remains to be seen. I'm Soraya Sarhadi Nelson, and thanks for listening to Common Ground Berlin. 
Our podcast is funded by a grant administered by the German Ministry for Economic Affairs and Climate Action. And our partner is the German Marshall Fund of the United States. Our senior producer is Dina El-Sayed. Our social media editor is Stefano Montali. And our intern is Cora Fassett. All Common Ground Berlin episodes are available wherever you get your podcasts. And you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at CG Berlin Podcast.